You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. So you survived snowpocalypse, huh? Or icepocalypse or whatever. <clears throat> got caught up on your Netflix and stuff. That's good. You got to push pause maybe for a minute. This morning we're continuing our series reboot as we think about beginning of a year and just in the midst of all the things we've been going over, going, dealing with over the last few years. It's a good time, I think, for us to just kind of reboot the computer, hold down the power and there's a glitch somewhere. And so we need to restart and get things going back in the way that not necessarily previously, but to reset our hearts and our minds for the new direction in a new way. So over the last few weeks, we looked at Isaiah chapter 40 and this idea that um, in the midst of craziness of life, that we can um, gain a new perspective, that we can walk in, um, in the midst of the grind and even the most difficult times, we can actually run um, under his power and under his strength. Even in Matthew chapter 14, that there's going to be storms in life. And uh, that even as followers of Jesus, it's not a it's not a bed of roses. You're not always walking in the park. There's going to be some difficult days. And so when those difficult days come, when the storms of life come, it's easy for us to focus on our circumstances and forget that we follow and we pursue Jesus. And so as we saw in Matthew chapter 14, that amidst of life storms, that there's going to be waves crashing around us. And if we have a tendency to look at the waves, we lose our focus on the I am. And uh, the, the disciples saw the I am in the midst of the storm and worshiped and that we can worship even in the midst of life storms. And as we continue the series, we're looking at one of the most, probably the most important ways that we can reboot. And that is to reboot our prayer life. It's one of those things in Christian life that we kind of struggle with. We don't know how to kind of pin it down. It's kind of like jello. We don't understand it necessarily. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what's considered the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and following. And it's not a rote prayer for us to, to offer to us, but it's a kind of prayer that what it should our heartbeat be toward prayer. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Um, last week we looked at where the Jesus, where Jesus' disciples had been doing life with them for a little bit, and they saw that he prayed differently than all the other people that they had been around before. Now, we get to look back and we understand that Jesus, as the Son of God, obviously had a really close relationship with the Father, but he had an intimate relationship, and so his disciples saw that, and they wanted to have that kind of a prayer life where there was an intimacy with God, but then also that there was power, that there was when Jesus prayed, God responded. And I think that's true for us, right? We want to have an intimacy with God that we don't normally have. We struggle with that because God doesn't sit down across from the breakfast table with us and have Cheerios and talk life. We would love for that, but that doesn't happen. So we struggle with intimacy. But then we also struggle with asking for things or from God from things and seeing him respond in a way that we think that he should respond or respond at all. And so we struggle with then, do we even pray, should we even ask? And so this morning, as we continue the series, um, Reboot, that's, that's where we're going to be. That's what we're going to be doing, is thinking about how can we have an intimate relationship with God, as Nick prayed about, that we can crawl up in God's lap. And literally, as the first part of this passage, Matthew 6, 9, says, Our Father, that it's this idea of us crawling up into our Father's lap and whispering the things that we need to whisper to Him, the things that really overwhelm us and burden us, but then also the next part of the verse in Matthew chapter 6, 9, our Father who is in heaven. 
So Jesus' disciples have been watching him. They wanted to have this kind of prayer. And so they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says this. Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven. That's pretty easy, right? Our Father who is in heaven. And so if you've been in around church or maybe you've been on a sports team or something, you've prayed this prayer that sometimes is called our Father. And so you maybe know it, you've got it memorized. And again, it's a good prayer to memorize and know, but that's not what Jesus necessarily wanted us to do. He wanted us to dig deeper into what prayer is and the heartbeat of prayer. So our Father, we talked about last week, is to have an intimate relationship with him who is in heaven. So the second part of this that I want us to dig into is God is in heaven. So place matters. So today you're going to go home, and that place that's called home should be a place of safety, of security, of warmth. Usually there's food there, and it's kind of your place. You go there to kind of get away from the rest of the world. So place matters to us. There's some other places that maybe matter to you, some that matter to me. One is in... Um, the villages of northern Thailand. I've been able to go about 15 times to northern Thailand to different villages and hang out with the Aka people group. And so that place, when I think of huts and different things like that, my heart is drawn there. One, because of the place. It's rustic, okay? But the people that are there. And so that's a part of the home. The reason that we love home, it's because it's safe and it's our people. So here Jesus says, hey, pray our Father who is in heaven. Place matters. Your home matters or different places like that. Another place that draws to us when we think about downtown Oklahoma City, and if you've been to Memorial to memorialize what happened there, that's a place. And you remember, you're taking back to the moment of where you were at and what was happening in your life when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, or obviously 9-11, where you were at and what you were thinking as you're watching place matters to us. And so if you've followed up and been to the Oklahoma City Memorial, the New York Trade Center Memorial, it takes you back to all those things. Again, place matters. Even this place in Washington, D.C. called the White House. When we see it, we look at it and we have that place matters. That place is a symbol of power. It's a symbol of freedom. It's a symbol of democracy. It symbolizes a lot of things and the place Matters. I think even more so than who resides there, the place matters. When the rest of the world looks at it, it matters because it symbolizes something. So your home and place matters. So when Jesus says, our Father who is in heaven, place mattered. As a matter of fact, that word heaven is of the heavens. It's a plural word, which means everywhere in every location at every time. Place matters. As a matter of fact, I remember the first time I went back to my grandmother's house and grandma wasn't there. Place mattered. It wasn't the same place. It would never smell of grandma's cooking again. The aura of, of grandma was gone. Place matters. So here Jesus tells us, pray our father who is in heaven. But part of that is the place is important, but also part of the place, like grandma, it's the people. This prayer is a declaration to get to the God of whom we pray. This is a theological treatise in some ways of who God is. And last fall when we did the Ten Commandments and talked about the Ten Commandments, a lot of the Ten Commandments were helping us refocus on who God was not so that we could understand who God is. So our theology matters. And so here Jesus is saying, our Father who is in heaven, who is in every place at every time in every way. In other words, as a follower of Jesus, 
Because of the Holy Spirit that resides within inside you, everywhere you go is a place of worship. And how that changes or should change how we interact with people and how we do things in our life. Because God is everywhere at every place and it is an act of worship. Now we know in our knower, our head, intellectually, that if God is God, he's everywhere at all time in all places. But we don't necessarily act that way. And so here Jesus saying as part of our prayer is that if our prayer life is to be without ceasing... That everywhere we go is an act of worship and an opportunity to engage in the intimacy in our Father who is everywhere. One, I'm going to teach you a couple of big words today. The first big word I'm going to teach you is imminent. And imminent means that, that God, so this, a word to describe God, is nearby or is close. He's always around you. You, can, you can't go anywhere where he's not. I think about the kids that um, have the fortune of being in an airport and they've got the little leash on them. You know what I'm talking about? And so they're going somewhere and all of a sudden they go as far as they can possibly want to go and they're pulled back. And that's that's the covenant relationship that we have with God is God is close to us. We can go wherever and sometimes we want to get away from God, but God has got us not on a leash, but he has us in covenant. And so there may be times in our life where we want to leave and to get away from the covenant, but God's like, I've got you. You, as as my child, you can only go so far. You will receive divine punishment. There will be discipline. You will know. I mean, if you've ever seen a kid that goes and they're running, all of a sudden, they're down. They know that mom and daddy have got the chain or whatever you want to call it. And there's times in our life that the God who's everywhere in all place that is near us, Let's us run, and then all of a sudden, boom. We may be embarrassed. He lets us go as far as we can possibly go, but in covenant, he never leaves us. So God is imminent. He is close by you. He's also transcendent. It's this interesting thing about God that God is close by us. He walks with us. He's near us, but he's also other than us. He is the creator God, and so we have the unique opportunity through Jesus to be close with our Creator, but also understand that He is different from us, which again makes Him God. You can see it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. I've put it in the message. It's a little bit different than maybe what you've read before. It says this, first this, God created the heavens and the earth, all you see and all you don't see. You think about for us, I mean, we think about there's parts of the world that we're able to see now that we've never seen before because of Google Earth or whatever, and you can get on an airplane and go. But for that for most people, for all of history, like within a day or two is all they knew. And so they would dream about what other places were, were like. Matter of fact, one of my favorite times in a, in a hut in the middle of Thailand was I was with some teenagers and with some of the, the villagers and stuff, and we're in this place, and the only play, reason we have electricity is because they had a generator for while we were there. And one of the old guys, at this time he was about 90, okay, and this was like a couple of years ago, and he was 90, and he looked at us and he asked me the question, how come you guys were so white? And he hadn't seen me play basketball yet. I mean, he just said, why are you guys so white? And so we had to literally describe for him, this is the earth. This is where you live. This is where we live. He thought that if we went far enough over the sea, guess what would happen, flat earthers? 
we would fall off. So we were in there having a discussion over real science. And, hey, the sun travels around the earth. And he was like, whoa. And the other people in the village were like, whoa. And so we're like, hey, on our side, there are some white people. (laughs) And we stay inside more. I don't know what the deal is, but our genetics are different. And so it's just that whole thing of that we cannot fathom all that God has created. And so God is beyond us. God created the heavens and the earth. All you see and all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God is different than us. The God of heaven is all-knowing, all-powerful, and ever-present. He's not dead. He's alive. It's not a formless picture that we come and look at and bow down to. It's not wishful thinking. The God of heaven is close, but also beyond this world. And so I think that's part of our struggle is is he's not like us, which is the good God part, but he's also close to us. Another thing that I want you to think about when you think about praying to the God of the heavens that's everywhere in all times is that we should be expectant, that we should pray to the imminent God, the transcendent God, and pray to him as if we understand that he will act if we pray. I think one of the things that we grow out of as adults is, one, we've been told over and over that somewhere along the way we're not creative or not artistic enough. So instead of bringing our art to our parents and letting them put it on the fridge, we just throw it away because we don't think our parents or others have told us it's not good enough, and so we don't do it. But then also, I think with our prayer life, somewhere along the way, we don't see God acting like we want him to act when we pray, and so we just quit expecting him to act. So we don't pray with expectancy. In Matthew chapter 21, there's this interesting story of Jesus and his disciples walking along, and he's getting a little bit hungry. So it says this, in the morning... As Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. So think taco shack, okay? Uh, We don't have many fig trees running around. He went over to see if there was any figs, but there weren't only leaves. So this was a time of the year where there should be figs on the fig tree, but there's not. And so there were only leaves, and he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. You can imagine, if we're thinking about this, this is a kind of a weird story, Right? But let's look at the next part. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how quickly did the fig tree, why did the fig tree wither so quickly? Why? Jesus told them, I'll tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything If you have faith and you will receive it. Let's say that together. You can pray for. And if you have. You will. Some of you are thinking, man, I'd love a million dollars. Right? That's not what this is about. But. Maybe you should. Why? Because God says he will give you the things that you ask for. And you never know. He might just give you a million dollars. And some of you, you need it, you want it, and you're thinking about, hey, I would love to give it to Crosspoint because Chris wants to go to Hawaii. No. <clears throat> but you're not asking things for things because you haven't, for whatever reason, you haven't sensed that you've received it. So you've just stopped praying with expectancy. 
One of our big problems is our theology about who God is, that we've, we're, we don't dig into who really God is. And one of the images, when God speaks to me, one of the ways that he speaks to me is in images. And so this past year, as I've been praying and thinking about where we're at, what's going on in life and all that, especially as a pastor, one of the images that God gave me was of us as children doing what children do when it rains. After it rains, what do we do as children? There's puddles around and we jump in and play them. And parents are saying, no, don't jump in it. You might get wet. You might get dirty. Cool dads say, do it. Just don't tell your mom. Dad said you could do it. Right? And so we're bouncing around and we're playing in puddles. And that is what God said to me is, Chris, many of us are in our faith. We're jumping in puddles hoping to get a little splash and a little bit of it looks like we've played in the water when in reality what God the Father wants from us is to jump into the deep end of the pool and to immerse ourselves in who he is and that we dabble in him and we have a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of the verbiage but we don't truly know God. We've got a few things up here but we haven't gnoscoed immerse ourselves with him. And so the good Father, whenever they go to the swimming pool with their kids at a certain age, they take the little water wingies off and they say, child, jump. And one of the reasons that a child is willing to do that is because they've had the water wingies on and they've jumped and their dad's caught them and they've been able to float for a little bit. But there's some doubt in their minds that the first time that the water wings come off, that dad may or may not catch me. Or if dad misses me, what's going to happen? And so as dads, what we do is we get to the deep end and we're treading water and we're like, jump. And the kid will stand there and there's trepidation, there's fear. But finally when they jump, what does dad do? He catches. Make sure that he catches. And most of the time, dads, we catch them so that even their faces, they may get a splash of water, but they don't go under. Why? Because we know that we want to continue to build their confidence that dad's going to catch them. And so time after time, we'll catch our child and, and put them up. And guess what happens? Every time you let them go a little deeper, you let them go a little deeper. And then one time they jump off and they may feel the hands of dad and they go down and then they begin to work and struggle to get back up to the top. And if they can't do it, dad picks them up and says, let's go again. But that is faith. And too many times. We have people that believe in Jesus and they know enough about Jesus but are afraid to jump off into the deep end. And listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. Until you jump off the deep end and get immersed, you are not going to experience the fullness of what God the Father wants for you. Your God is too small If you put on your rain gear and just dance around, put on the swimsuit and go off the high dive and do a belly flop. Because it's a risk and people are going to maybe laugh at you because you're a Christian and you're doing something contrary to what our culture tells you. And it's going to leave a mark, but the father will catch you and make sure that you do not drown and he will take you to safety so that you can do it all over again. Jump off the deep end. Our God is too small, and so sometimes we don't expect him to act like God. We've got God in a little box, and listen, I've grown up Baptist, and we're really good at putting God in a box. 
And that, God, if you act like this, this, and this, and this, then I know it's you. But for God wants to really experience who he is, we've got to jump off the deep end and say, God, I don't know what I don't know. You are God. I trust that you're near me, but that you're other than me and that you are going to get this. You can handle this. You can do it. If he's really God, you can jump off the deep end and he will catch you. Because he's a supernatural God. But do we really believe that he's God? Do we really believe that this God that you're worshiping today is the God of Scripture? That the God who walked on water, the God who took five loaves and two fish and prayed over it and fed 5,000 plus, the God who a centurion guy walked over and said, hey, I know you're somebody who knows authority I have somebody back at my house who's ill. I want you to heal them, and I know that you can do it. Don't even have to go to my house. And Jesus says, by your faith, that person, not even you, that person at your house is healed. Or the woman who had an issue that didn't allow her to go to church for such a long time that she was desperate to be in community, that she was so desperate to be in community that a crowd of people were there. Jesus was coming. She'd heard the story that Jesus was coming and that he would heal. And so she reaches out in her desperation just to get a touch of his prayer shawl that hopefully maybe if I just touch him that I will be healed. And she reaches out and bam, she's healed. I know some of us are that desperate. That we're that desperate for healing. Now here's the interesting thing. Is she thought that she could reach out, touch, get the healing and go home. And Jesus says, whoa. In the midst of the crowd, all these people are touching. But only one lady came with desperation and touched the shawl. And power left Jesus. And she was healed in that moment. And guess what happened? Jesus said, somebody touched me. And the disciples said, well, yeah, a thousand people have it. He said, no, 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 no. This person knows. And the lady said, it's me. It's me. I think the other part of this, some of us are hurting and have deep stuff, overwhelming burdens, overwhelming stuff, and we're at that place of desperation, but we're afraid that if we're healed, that it's going to bring Attention. Because immediately in that moment, the woman's story became evident. Because Jesus said, tell me, why did you pray? Why did you reach out? And she said, because. Because I was desperate. Because I was desperate, you healed me. And I think some of us are afraid if somebody finds out the deepest, darkest stuff that you need to be healed from. That Jesus may require you to tell your story. But now for generations upon generations, a woman who had an issue that couldn't go to church reached out to Jesus and now people are, are changed and reaching out. Maybe somebody, just somebody, needs to know that you were desperate enough to reach out and Jesus healed you. Maybe somebody needs your story. But your pride of this house that you've built will maybe disappear. The image that you've built will disappear, but you're dying to be healed. But you're afraid. Or maybe you have a friend 
that's in desperate need and you've been praying, you've been praying, you've been praying. Maybe you're like the Luke 5 guys that they're like, hey, we've got a buddy that needs Jesus. And we're going to do whatever we can possibly do. And again, they'd heard that Jesus was coming. Jesus had filled the church and people were literally pouring out. And there's like, they get there and there's like, there's no way we can get to Jesus. And so they're like, but, but our friend needs Jesus. And so they crawl up to the top of the roof and peer through and they just drop their friend in front of Jesus. So if he wasn't hurt, now he's hurt. Jesus says, what do you guys need? Our buddy needs Jesus. Some of us need to get more desperate for our friends. To bring them, do whatever we need to do to get them to Jesus. Because they need healing. And you can't do it. You're not wise enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough whatever it is. But they're at the end of themselves. And the only thing you've got is Jesus. But you're afraid to ask them to come to church. What might they think of me if they know that I know Jesus? Who cares? Your friend needs Jesus because Jesus is supernatural. He walks on water. He feeds the 5,000. He does miracles in lives all the time. He wants to act like God, but we need to ask him. We need to ask him. Many of us in this room and watching online have incredible burdens that are overwhelming. And you're just trying to survive. 1 Peter 5-7 says this. Put all of, cast all of your worries, your cares, your anxieties, all the stuff you're struggling with and you're trying to own in your own strength. Put it before Him. Because your Father cares for you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. But you have to own your stuff. And to say, God, here it is. My arms are too tired. My heart is too tired. My soul is too tired. I need you. But in the midst of our overwhelmingness, some of us still haven't asked. So our question is, do you really believe? That you worship the God of the Bible. Do you trust that the God of the Bible is still your God and is active and alive and doing what he can do? Are you willing to ask? He's waiting. He's waiting for us. Stand at the deep end. Say, Dad. I'm tired of just having permission to play in the puddles. I want to jump in the deep end and know that you're going to catch me. I'm tired of just playing church. I want to jump in and I want to know you. Let's pray together. Dad, we're crawling into your lap right now. Dad, you know our burdens. You know our hurts, our pains, our struggles. You know the secret things.
Father, I pray this morning that everyone in this room would hear the truth. That those things don't define us. What defines us is that we're your child. That our identity is your child. Through Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that anyone in this room that does not know you, does not know Jesus and said yes to Jesus, that today's the day. So they can rid themselves of the hurts and pains and struggles by crawling into your lap and saying, Dad, I need you. Father, thank you that you've got us on a covenant leash that you never leave us or forsake us. We cannot run too far from you. You always got us. That when we said yes to Jesus, we entered into covenant with you and you will never leave us or forsake us. You don't unadopt your children. It's a done deal. So, Father, I pray that we would Stand at the edge of the pool of life and of faith and jump with confidence knowing you will go nowhere but toward us. Not away from us. And that you will catch us. And you will raise us to safety at the very moment we need you to do that. Father, may we immerse ourselves in you this week. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.